everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Today is going to be, I'm just going to let you know right up front, it is going to be a very different kind of message. And, and um, you, you'll see what I mean by that. But there are, there are usually one to two services a year that we will do of this style of message. And what I mean by that is this is kind of more of a vision casting thing. Today, rather than just being purely life applicational, this is corporate applicational. This is, this is talking not just to us as individuals, but to us as a church body. And I want to share with you today some vision. I want to share with you today where it is that God is taking us. And I really believe that by the time we leave this place, you will leave encouraged, you will leave inspired, you will leave challenged, and you will leave feeling stretched. Okay, I say stretched a lot around here. You guys know that. Let's start with Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. It says, for, now, so now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. You ever protested to God before? <laughs> Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of, of Israel, out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Later on in uh, the next chapter, chapter 4, verses 10 to 13, it says, But Moses pleaded with the Lord. You ever plead with the Lord? And he says, O Lord, I am not good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. And even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I'll be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. When God gave Moses the vision for his life, it was far bigger and far scarier than Moses ever thought of for himself. That vision was to go into the most powerful nation on the planet, to walk into the throne room of the most powerful leader, one that the nation of Egypt considered to be a reincarnation of the god Horus and the son of the sun god Ra. And Moses was to walk into that throne room and give him an order to tell that leader to release the slaves that were making his nation so great and powerful. And then to lead those people, about two and a half million people, out into a land that would become their new home. And that, my friends, is a big vision. That is a very scary vision. To, to, many of you guys, I think, would, would probably agree with the statement, just based on the statistics, that public speaking is not something you're very comfortable with. 
Anybody would agree with that? You know, if, if you was like, if I was to tell you, hey, you're preaching next week, and you guys would have a minor heart attack, okay? I think Jerry Seinfeld uh, several years ago had that, that joke where he said he was looking at statistics and, and uh, the, the number one fear uh, of people was public speaking and then the number two was death. And so he said, you know, if you're at a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. I, was like, I guess that's true. But here's, here's, what, here, here's, here's what happened. Moses is kind of in this place. He gets tongue-tied. He has a stutter. He has a problem with words. Whatever it is, we don't know exactly, but we know that he has a problem with his speech, and he does not feel qualified, and yet God calls him to be the mouthpiece to millions of people. That'd be like if a person can't speak, and then God says, I want you to run for president. If a person can't form words, has a hard time with sentences and says, I want you to lead millions of people. That's kind of the situation here. Look, in less than two weeks, outpouring begins. And next week, we're, we're focused on Father's Day. So this is kind of my last sermon getting us ready for this event that's coming up. We've got revival coming. And so today, I want to share with you one of the keys to powerful worship, powerful prayer, and powerful action from God. Let me ask you these questions. Do you want God to move in your life? Do you want Holy Spirit baptism? Do you want to be filled with his spirit? Do you want to see God move in your life, in your family, in your church, in your community? Then here is the key. Desperation. Desperation. This is, uh, this is what we see in the story with Moses, right? We get to the end and he goes, oh, no, Lord, please, anyone but me. Moses was in a desperate situation. And what do I mean by that? I mean that he understood that if God does not show up and do something, I am going to fail. Spectacularly. If God does not intervene, I will have a problem. There was a desperation inside of Moses where he knew, I have to lean into God completely and trust him completely because without him, I cannot do this. As strange as it may sound, desperation is actually a really good thing in the spiritual life. Desperation causes us to be open to radical solutions, to be willing to take all manner of risk in order to find out and, and, and get a hold of what it is that we're looking for. Desperate people seek with an all-consuming intensity. Let me ask you, have any of you been at a place where you have truly been desperate in your life? You will try anything. You will do anything. There is a place where you realize, you know what? I don't care how radical the solution is. If it's a solution, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I'm desperate in this moment. I've tried everything else. I've done everything that I know how to do. Nothing has worked. And no matter what you tell me, if it works, I will do that thing because I am desperate. And spiritually speaking, desperation is a very good thing because it puts us in a place where we realize that we have to trust God. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how radical it is, we have to, in that moment, put our trust in him. To pursue God with desperation is to seek after him with all-consuming intensity. When you were in a place of desperation, finding an answer was all-consuming. It was the only thing that mattered. 
And if it was not the only thing that mattered, you weren't desperate enough yet. But there comes a point where you get desperate enough that it becomes all-consuming and your entire focus and intensity is focused in why? Because you know that the task ahead of you is surely destined to fail unless God intervenes. Today, what I want to do is instead of talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we have done, I want to share with you the powerful reason why we need it. In fact, my goal today is to share with you a vision for this church that is so big that you go into outpouring desperate. That's my goal today. I want your vision to be so big. I want your faith to be so stretched that when we get to this event, you come desperate because you know that if God does not show up, we fail. Just like when God called Gideon. We talked about him last week. And God put them in a place of 300 men against a countless army. There was no way if God did not show up that they won. They were desperate. Moses is in a place now where he is desperate for God to intervene because if God does not, Pharaoh will take his head. I want to share with you the reason why we need this. And I I want to simply say this. I want you to leave here today desperate for God to show up in your life and in our church. I'm going to stretch your faith today. That's, that's my goal. I'm going to stretch your faith today. I, I, I'm going I'm to share with you some things that when I first share them, many of you are going to go, no, nuh-uh, not, mm, that's not possible. I, I, I believe that. You're going to have that reaction. I'm going to stretch your faith today. I want to share with you what I believe God dropped in my spirit years ago for this church. But I don't want to leave you with that. Don't be so quick to just say it's impossible and write it off and check out. Because I'm going to share with you that God has already done things all along the way to prove what I'm about to tell you. And that, my friends, is enough to make this pastor desperate. Let's pray. God, in these next few moments, I pray that you would be with us. I ask God that you would help me to deliver this vision in a way that is compelling, in a way, Lord, that is what you have it intended. And I pray, God, that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our ears. I ask God that we would see the vision that you have for us, that, God, you would stretch our faith until we get desperate enough to chase after you with an all-consuming intensity. And then I pray that as we do that, you would show up in a powerful and life-changing way. Help us, God, to see with our own eyes just how good and how powerful you are. I love you so much, God, in Jesus' name, amen. When it began, the vision that God had for Israel was only shared with Moses. God did not just broadcast to the nation from the heavens what was happening. He picked Moses. Moses had an experience with God. He had an encounter where God shared with him the vision for this. And then shortly after, it was shared with Aaron. And then after that, Moses would go on to tell the people of God that God was calling them to step into something very big. God didn't broadcast the vision for all to hear. He gave it to Moses first, and then Moses shared it with the people. Now, several years ago, Chelsea and I, uh, we went on a prayer retreat to Silver Falls. It's something I I hope we're going to get to do again very soon. 
During, uh, during that retreat, our purpose was simply to pray for the church, to pray for direction. We spent a couple days up there, I think three day, two or three days up there, and uh, no cell phone reception. Um, in a little, little log cabin, just kind of walking the trails and praying. Just, just get away from everything and just seek God for a few days, and it's amazing. And, and during that time, God spoke to me about where we were headed. And he gave me a list of the themes that you guys have seen year after year after year. Those were, those were things that God dropped into my spirit several years ago. And what, what happened is, is I noticed that every year as we got closer to the end of the year, and I knew what the next theme was going to be. You didn't know because I didn't tell you because I don't tell you guys until the first of the year. But what I noticed was that I would hear people of this church family talking about or asking questions about or feeling drawn towards things that were actually about the theme next year. That God was prompting the hearts of our people before we ever got to the next year. And this happened year after year after year after year. It was pretty, it was pretty remarkable to just see that not only had God said, here's where I'm taking, here's the themes, but God also began to draw our hearts in that direction. We would have experiences in our lives. We would have conversations. We would have things, even to the point that beginning of this year, you guys had this conversation, uh, had no idea with, with Sharon about the Holy Spirit and about power, and, and come to find out, this was our theme for the year. Sharon didn't know that. You guys didn't know that. But that kind of thing has happened for the last many years now where it's, it's just conversations I've heard of people saying, you know, how, what about this? Or how about this? Or I'm having questions with this. And it's like, man, that's our theme next year, right? It's happened over and over and over and over again. And every year, I knew that we were drawing closer to this year, to fresh power. I, I knew this was coming. I knew that everything that God had, had given me years earlier had been building and building and building and would be building to this point, this crescendo of fresh power where God then empowers his people. It's like God said, okay, I have now built the foundation. I have, I have dug, right? You kind of dig out the foundation. It's, it's amazing when you're, when you're talking about buildings how much time goes into the foundation. It's remarkable, Right, all, all of the digging and the leveling and the pouring. and I mean, just the amount of, of work that goes into that happens over and over and over. And you don't see anything. For a long time, just, it's just flat. Right? It doesn't even start off flat. Right? It's like by the time you're done, there's just this big flat piece of concrete. It's, it's crazy. And there's so much work. And it's like God has been building foundation and building foundation and building foundation. And now, all of a sudden, we are starting to see the walls go up. We're starting to see the structure of what it is that he's building. It was remarkable, but I, I knew there was, a, there was a, a time coming that we were drawing closer to this year, the one where the theme would be about the power of the Holy Spirit. And every year I knew we were building to this because we're going to need it for what comes next year. And no, I'm not going to tell you what comes next year. You'll find out 1st of January. <laughs> but I want to give you today a bigger vision than just the theme for next year. We're going to need this because what God is calling us into, what comes next, if we don't have the power of God working in us and through us, we will fail spectacularly. But, if God does show up, buckle up.
And by the way, he's going to. And he has. And he will again. And again. And again. And again. And God will work through every single person who is here and who will come, who is willing to let God use them and fill them. I'm going to show you in a moment that God has been guiding us towards this vision from the day that we launched as our own church on January 5th of 2020. Now, I've been here while we were campus uh, of Roseburg. It's kind of difficult to say we had this big vision for our church as a campus because as a campus church, you don't have a vision for your church. You have the vision of the church that you're connected with. And so we operated under Roseburg's vision for the church. In 2020, when we launched out as our own, God gave us a fresh vision for this church. But I want to share with you how God has been working the entire time. So, Pastor, what is this vision? What is the plan that God showed you that that he has for this family? What is it that we are called to do? Before I answer that, build some tension here. Before I answer that, I I want to give you a statistic. In 2019, LifeWay uh, Research conducted a study of Protestant churches in America, and here's what they found. They found that in 2019, 4,500 churches had closed, 3,000 churches had opened. Now, you can do the math real quick there, but that means there are less churches that year at the end of the year than there were at the beginning of the year. Now, I wrote a book several years back before this study was done, and when I wrote that book back in uh, 2017, um, and no, it's not the Now What book. It's, it's a, a church leadership book called Revolutionary. And as I was studying for that book, what I found was the statistics said that earlier 7,000 churches had closed, 4,000 churches had opened. Um, in other words, this is a trend. This is not just one year. This has been happening year after year after year after year. Churches struggle to stay open. There are, there are many churches that open, but there are many more churches that close. And this happens year after year after year after year. It means here that about one and a half times as many churches close as open. And that has been the trend for a while. Churches struggle to stay open. In fact, pastors become discouraged and thousands of pastors leave the ministry every year before retirement. It's very few pastors, statistically, that will end up retiring as a pastor. I'll give you one that'll blow you away. 80% of Bible college and seminary students that graduate and go into full-time ministry will quit the ministry within five years. 80%. That is a sobering statistic. What that tells me is that many churches that begin... And many pastors that go into ministry do not do so from a solid foundation. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you what one of, one of the many, and there's a lot of factors. Why, why is it that they're closing? Why is this happening? There's a lot of different reasons for this. And I'm not saying this to bum you out. I'm saying I, I want you to understand the reason why I believe God has called us to do what he has called us to do. I, I want to share that there is a problem that God is going to solve partially through us. That we will, we will be doing something that will be an answer to a major problem within the kingdom of God. And here is one of the issues, is that churches are struggling to stay open. 
Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, right? There's a ton of them. I've been in church my entire life. I've been around churches my whole life. I've got pastors in like every, you name a relative, I probably have a pastor that is that relative. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. But let me just share with you one of the things I have observed in, in my lifetime being around ministry is that many churches begin for the wrong reason. Now, those who, who have not been around church, this is gonna shock you to hear, but there are many churches that begin from the wrong reason. What, what is that reason? Well, this happens a lot, unfortunately. I wish it didn't, but this happens a lot where there will be somebody in the church that becomes very disgruntled with the pastor. They don't like the way that he's doing it. They don't like something he said. They don't like the way he dressed. They don't like the color of the carpet, whatever it is. And, and you can laugh about the carpet. I promise you there have been church splits over the color of carpet. Am I telling the truth, Cliff? It happens. Of whether or not you have chairs or pews, whether or not you use hymnals or put the words on the screen. And a church split happens where, where this, this person gets very upset and they decide they're going to stir up controversy. They're going to they're try to get people together and, 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 and rebel against the pastor and then go leave and start a church. And this happens all the time. Now, here's, here's what happens. Let me just say this. I have been around the church world long enough to tell you this. If you ever see this happen, do not follow them. You do not want anything to do with that church. It will not be around long. Well, pastor, how could you possibly know that? Well, first of all, look. A church formed in rebellion by disgruntled people rarely does so with God's blessing. And second, I want you to just think about it for a moment. This new church is full of people who believe the way to resolve disagreement is to rebel and leave. That's all, that's the church. That's what's made up of the church. And it's being led by a person who endorses that. The result is very predictable. So why are there so many churches that close? Some of the reason is that number is made up by a lot of churches like this. But that's not all of them. I don't, I don't want to for a moment say that that's all of these churches. That many, many churches close for many other reasons. But I want us to understand that, that the foundation of a lot of these churches is, is not good. And there are some times where things just happen. There's, there, it, it was a great church. Something just kind of came along. It was, it was a catastrophe. It was unexpected. But that type of thing does not account for a trend that we see. And the trend is that about one and a half times as many of these churches are closing as are opening. And the trend is that more ministers now are, 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 are leaving the ministry. Why? It's because when churches begin... They don't have the foundation. They don't have a solid foundation from which to start. They're not set up for success from the beginning. Many churches begin with, with great intentions. Many churches begin by people that they really want to, they feel like God is calling them to start a church and then they just, they have this amazing faith and they go and do it, but they don't know how. And the structure isn't there. The, the culture's not there. The leadership isn't there. The training isn't there. And, and, and for all of you guys, well, no, they've got seminary for that. Seminary doesn't teach you anything useful. As far as, I should say that. They teach you theology. You learn the, and the theology's good. But they, they don't teach you how to deal with taxes. They don't teach you how to not get sued. They don't teach you how to, how to deal with disgruntled members and, and conflict within the church when this person's ticked off at this person and they don't like the way this person over here is doing it and everybody's coming to you and you're... They don't teach you that kind of stuff. 
And so what happens is people come out of these places totally blindsided because they've learned in books and they have this perception of what it means to do ministry and then they get into the real thing and realize it's difficult. They're not prepared. And in particular, they're not prepared for the level of spiritual attack that will come against them and their family. And I promise you, as as a pastor, I can promise you that the attacks that Chelsea and I receive spiritually happen all the time. It is a non-stop, relentless attack. That's why we need you praying for us. I'm not saying this to get up on a soapbox. I'm, I'm setting you up for something. I want us to understand this is the problem. God has called us to answer the problem. Our church is being pastored right now by someone who was one of those pastors I talked about. When I was in Corvallis, I was very discouraged. There are pastors who are struggling to maintain a sick church, but they don't know how to make it healthy. And there are pastors who know how to make it healthy, and they don't have the resources to do what they know needs to be done. That was me. That was me seven years ago. I pastored a church in Corvallis. We had this, to give you an idea, when I say a church that had um, some health issues, just organizational health issues, let me describe it like this. 20 years, in the, in the 20 years before I got there, they had had 15 pastors. One of those pastors had been there for seven years. That means that the other 14 pastors made up the other 13 years. That was my first church. Welcome to ministry. The neighborhood knew that church. I went knocking on the doors in the neighborhood, just kind of introduced myself. Hey, I'm the new pastor. We're, you know, we're, we're you know, kind of giving a, a, a relaunch to the church. And uh, I had so many doors slammed in my face. And I had so many people that says, you know what? Come back after you've been here a few years. Do you know how many times we've had a new pastor come and tell me you're relaunching this church again? Don't even talk to me. Until you've been here a few years, don't even, don't even come over here and talk to me. I heard that story so many times. And I was... After a few years, I was burnt out. I was trying everything I knew to try. The fact is, I, I knew what needed to happen. I, I knew what we needed to do to fix it. I didn't have the resources to do it. What needed to happen is that church needed to close for a while. The parking lot needed to be paved. The building needed to be repainted. The neighborhood needed to believe whatever was there finally died. And then after a few months go back with a different name, a different sign, a different building, different property, and make everybody, make sure they understand that what is here now is not the same. The problem is, I didn't have the resources for any of that. It was a church of like 10 people. We don't have money to pave a parking lot. We're just struggling to just stay open. We can't close down the church for months. We would go bankrupt. You can't do that. But that's what needed to happen. And I struggled. And I was so close to burnout and I was, I was at a place where I didn't know what I was going to do and then things opened up here. And I had the opportunity to come but I hadn't planned on coming here. I had planned on just not staying in ministry at all for a while. I wanted to just take a break. I was burnout. I was discouraged. 
and things worked out for me to come here. And I didn't want to leave them high and dry because I, I already knew that if I left, Church of God was going to close that church down. You don't, you don't have a church that goes through pastors like that over and over and over again. And eventually they just say, you know what, we need to just shut it down, open another one somewhere else. And I didn't want to do that to the people. And so I stayed for quite a while um, for that. But I just, I couldn't handle it anymore. I talked to Mark Woody over at Sweet Home and he said, you know what, we've been looking to start another campus. Uh, we've been looking to open up a campus church. We'll take over Corvallis. We'll make sure that, that your people are taken care of. We'll make sure that they have a church to go to. And that was, that was what I needed. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go then. And I came here to, to Springfield. And you know what, what happened is, is the first meeting that we had, that, uh, the, the first meeting they had with him, and they said, what's, what's your plans? And he said, let me tell you what my plans are. We're gonna shut the whole church down for a few months. We're gonna repaint the building. We're gonna make the property look different. We're gonna bus everyone over here to Sweet Home. We'll come by with a bus. We'll pick you up. We'll take you there. You can keep going to church. And then after maybe six months, we're gonna start it fresh. And I thought, that sounds so familiar. <laughs> but we didn't have the resources. Our, our church here is so full of people who are called to ministry and not just here, the church is so full of people called to ministry, but who have no platform from which to successfully enter ministry. What's more, many churches have started with a hope and a prayer, but without a foundation upon which to begin. Our church, I believe, this church, New Beginnings Family, is going to be part of God's solution to that problem and those problems. How? Here it is by being a church that plants churches. What God showed me many years ago was a church family that would not be restricted to a single building, a single community, or a single city. In fact, I'm going to show you in a moment where we're not even going to be limited to a single country. Our church family is not meant to be a single location. It is meant to be a network of congregations. Our church is meant to plant churches, not just grow this one. I want to grow this one, but our goal is not meant to stop just growing this. What I believe God showed me with everything in me is that our church was meant to be bigger than this location. Our church is meant to plant churches, to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of all people, by teaching them, by helping them to discover their gifts and callings, by training them, by raising them up, and empowering them to step into ministries of their own so that they can do the same for someone else. What I'm talking about is something that, yes, it's going to require incredible faith. What I'm talking about is something that will require an incredible power of the Holy Spirit working within each of us. What I'm talking about is something that requires a congregation of believers that does not stop growing, that continues to have a vision that is bigger than this building, that is not focused on our kingdom, but on God's kingdom. Do you remember the theme our first year? Kingdom focused. We have to be focused on that. It is going to require unprecedented growth in our numbers, in our finances, in our spiritual maturity, in our gifts. It is going to require that each of us stretch ourselves to not only develop our own faith and our own gifts, but to reach out and bring someone up behind us 
and I am just getting started. What I'm describing is a church family where the vision is kingdom-focused. What I'm talking about is a church family where every ministry has more than enough volunteers. Why? Because the members of that family have taken on the vision and are actively looking to use and discover their gifts. What I'm talking about is a family where leaders are mentoring leaders. In other words, where we would have somebody who wants to pastor a church, who feels called to that, that I am mentoring as a pastor, that they will be hands-on. So when they begin to pastor, they know what it's like. What I'm talking about is children's pastors and youth pastors and media team and worship leaders and a clerk and all of these people that have hands-on experience being mentored so that when we plant a church, they go as a team ready to work together who know how to come together and work together. They have the culture there. The foundation is there. What I'm describing is a church that plants churches with a healthy culture with a healthy system and organizations in place, with a vision to do the same. It is a church where the power of God moves mightily in ways that fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can move in supernatural direction and in supernatural wisdom to kick down the gates of hell and claim back our city. What God showed me was a church that was many but was one. Now, I know, I know, this is, this, I told you, I'm stretching your faith today. Because I know what you might be thinking, Pastor, our church is not big enough to plant churches. Our church doesn't have the resources to do what you're talking about. Maybe the vision you're thinking about was actually meant for the mega church in Eugene. Because our church can't do that. We're, we're just a small church. We're just a new church. I mean, we started 2020. We are just a few people. We're just trying to pay the bills every month. But here's where I need to remind you that Moses was just a shepherd. God did not ask Moses all the reasons why Moses thought he was unqualified. God asked one question in laying out the vision. Do you know what it was? What is in your hand? You know what was in his hand? A stick. And God says, you know what? I can use you and the stick. And he did. And let me tell you something. If God can deliver two and a half million Hebrews from the hands of Egypt using nothing but a shepherd who stutters and a stick, that God can do anything he wants through me and through you and through us. (laughs) The vision I'm talking about is so much bigger than we are. But I want to show you that this is not just me projecting. This is not just pastor talking big. And yeah, I know, I talk big a lot. I'm a man of big faith. That's who I am. That is built into me for a reason. God made me who I am so that I can have faith. But let me tell you something. This is not just me talking big. I want to show you for a moment that this has been happening all along. For the last several years, God has been giving us glimpses of what it is that he has called us to do. And many of you may not remember it. Many, many of you weren't here when it happened or you didn't, become, you didn't become aware of it until just now. But I want to show you that in writing, we call this foreshadowing. When we started our church, January 5th, 2020, when we launched this church, and I was set forth as pastor of this church, do you remember the first thing I did as pastor of this church? We planted another church, Faith, Hope, Love Church. We set forth Harvey Ward, and we planted a church in Eugene. They're doing really well right now. Not only did we plant a church day one, 
But our renters came. Remember 2020? Will you ever forget 2020? The year of insanity, the year of COVID, where churches were shutting down, where they were closing down, where people were giving out hope, forgetting wherever God had called them, just, just giving up hope. Left and right churches were closing down all over the place. Do you remember that? We had renters that were here, that they were at a place of financial destitution because COVID had ravaged their con- congregation. They said, Pastor, we can't afford rent. We, we can't afford rent. We're, we, we've been talking about it, and, and we're going to close. Remember that statistic I told you about that God called us to help deal with? One of these churches was now going to close. They were going to be part of that statistic. But here's what happened in 2020. Our congregation was blessed beyond, beyond imagination. Many of you guys were, got raises, got promotions, right? It happened over, I mean, there, there's people in this church, they got two, three promotions or raises that year. And the giving went up and up and up to the point that I was able to look at them just before it happened, And keep in mind that when we planted Faith, Hope, Love Church, about a third of our finances, a third of our giving went with them. And you were blessed in such a way that I was able to tell our renters, you do not close your doors. I don't care if you can't pay us a penny. You pay us whatever you can in rent. I trust you to not take advantage of us, but you do not close your doors. You stay open. And as long as we are open, you have a place to worship. And that church stayed open. But it wasn't just that church. There was another church in Paramos, Guatemala. Paramos? Am I pronouncing that right? Paramos? It's as good as I can get. Guatemala. They were closing. Couldn't make the payment. Pastor had to make a decision. Do I, do I pay the rent in my, for my house or do I pay the rent for the church? And he chose to pay the rent for the church. Became homeless. And said, okay, well, I'm going I'm to move into the church, but the problem is that next month we can't afford the rent of the church. But our people were blessed. God was doing something here because he was using us to fix the problems I mentioned earlier. And we were able to send them and completely fund the rent for their building. That church remained open, and they are doing well today. Not only that, that church made a radical shift in the area, began doing ministry in prisons where salvations were happening all over the place, including one of the leaders of MS-13 who was saved in the prison and sent shockwaves through that caused a revival to break out in the prison. Last year, I did a year-long Zoom training with ministers from 10 different countries. At least one of those resulted in a new church being planted. Adriana in her home. At least one of those resulted in a new church being planted. So now we have two churches being planted by this church. Two churches kept open by this church. But it's just getting started. Now we're looking at purchasing a property in El Salvador that will become a hub church from which we will plant multiple churches in Guatemala, in El Salvador, in Honduras. We already have a network of pastors that we are connected with in these countries. Let me show you the list real quick. You can put that on the screen. I want you to just see the pastors that we are already networked with, and, and this is probably not an all-extensive list. You probably recognize the first one. That's you, Pastor Louis. Milton is our missionary. These are pastors that we are connected with. They represent churches that we are networking with. <sighs>
These are just some of the ministers that we have joined with to build the kingdom of God. And these men and women represent church families that we are connected with to build a network of churches in Latin America. I don't show you the list to give you faith in them. I wanted to show you this list to point your faith to God who has been positioning us this entire time for the vision I have just described to you that he has called us to as a church family. God is with us. Last year, our missionary, Milton Lopez, did an outreach to Honduras where 30 people were saved, many people were healed, at least two churches were started. <laughs> I think it was more than two. I think it was four. That is, that's right, isn't it? It was four. It was four churches. I thought, not two, four. Now we're up to six Six churches. You know how Milton did that? Do you know who paid for his ticket to get there? You. Do you know who paid to fly multiple pastors over to that event to make it happen? We did. Do you know who sent a whole lot of those now what books translated in Spanish by our church? We did. Those books that were passed out and many salvations happened, four new churches were planted. Now, now we are just two years into the beginning of this church Six churches have been planted. Two have been kept from closing. Are you seeing God moving a pattern here? Last year, this year, I apologize, this year we did another crusade. 40 people saved at that event. Many people healed. Many demon-possessed people set free. One girl raised from the dead. God is with us. And you might say, no, pastor, that's Honduras. Right? We hear about stuff like that happening all, all the time over there, but it doesn't happen here in the States. That kind of stuff, that's, that's stuff you hear from missionaries. This is stuff that happens here. That's where you'd be wrong. That's where you'd be wrong. By the way, another church was planted at that event. That makes seven. We are now three and a half years old as a church with seven churches that we have actively had a hand in planting, two that we have kept from closing. A few years ago, we had a woman named Mary who called me in a panic. Her daughter had just been given news of a cancerous growth in her body, this mass they had found. They were taking her in to do a scan to confirm exactly what it was. She called me in a panic. She's in Medford. She just got the news. She said, I'm on my way to Eugene. Please pray. We don't know what to do. They found this mass, and we are in a panic. They're, they're going to test it. They're doing the scan, but we don't know. Can, can you please just pray? I called Cliff. Cliff called our prayer team. We went to prayer. Two hours later, I get a call from Mary. She says, I don't know what happened. They did the scan. It's not there. God is with us here too. One of our members began drinking alcohol as a child. Continued his entire life. Alcohol ruined his life, ravaged his body, destroyed a marriage, hurt the relationship with his children. He continued to drink throughout all of it. And after all of it. And just over two years ago, God got a hold of him here and he put down the bottle for good. That man, Mark, has now been sober over two years. And get this, he works in a bar. Sober two years. Two and a half. Last year, Mark's son, remember I told you guys how they, they, it, it affected not just his life, but with his kids and with his wife. Last year, his son, Aaron, got baptized. Mark was in the pool to help me do it. This year, his son, Brett, rededicated his life to God and will be baptized this year. His wife, Julie, has been with him almost every week. It seems like she's not here today, but almost every week has been there sitting next to him in church. Let me tell you, God is with us here too. And about two months ago, I got permission to share this story. It's going to blow some of your minds. But I want you to understand the level that we are at right now, where God is taking us to. 
About two months ago, I was in Roseburg at camp meeting. I got a phone call from Sharon. Monday night, she calls me from the Bible study. And, she said, and, and I thought, okay, I need to just tell her I'm in a, I'm in a service and, uh, and, and, and I gotta go. I picked up the phone as soon as I said hello. She said, Pastor, we need you now. I said, okay, you got my attention. He said, we've got a, we've got a, a new girl here and, and, and she is being harassed by a demonic man. We need you to pray over her. But not just that, she wants to give her heart to God today. And so, so I said, absolutely, I'll pray with her. So I prayed over her about this situation with this guy. And then, and then I prayed over her and her kid. And, I, and, and then I, I talked to her just a little bit and I, I shared with her about Jesus, wanted to make sure that she understood what it was we were about to pray. She did, we prayed. She gave her heart to God right over the phone. It gets, this is crazy. I was going to say it gets better. I don't know that it does. You're giving, someone, giving your heart to God, eternity secured, that's, that's, way, that's way better. But, but let me show you something cool. As we're, we're talking, she, like, we get done praying, and she says, Pastor, I feel different. Some, I'm feeling different. I feel lighter. Something's happening. What, what am I feeling right now? And I said, the Bible tells us what that is. The Holy Spirit is confirming to your spirit, you're now his. That's what happened. And I said, I said, welcome to the family. When I said that, she gasped loudly. <gasps> and I said, what just happened? And she said, my baby just moved. And I said, wait, 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 wait. And I'm hearing, I'm hearing in the room, wait, you're pregnant? You're pregnant? I didn't know, you're pregnant? I'm hearing this talk. And I said, I said her name. I'm not going to tell your name. I said her name. I said, are you, are you pregnant? He said, yeah. I just didn't say anything because my baby hasn't moved in a long time. I found this out later that as, as I was praying for her, she began feeling heat move through her body. Now, for those who have experienced a miraculous healing from God, it doesn't always happen like this, but the way I've heard it described from people many times is that they felt a heat in their body. It's often associated with healing. There was a heat as I began to pray with her. I began to pray over her. There was this heat moving through her body before her baby moved. And what I also found out is that it had been a month since that baby moved. What happened a, a month ago? Well, there was an incident. I'm not going to get into it. There was an incident that happened that damaged her body badly. When that happened, her baby stopped moving for a month. Now, you can, you can believe whatever you want to believe about what happened in that moment, but let me, you, you can come up with whatever explanation you want, but let me tell you something for sure. Cancerous masses don't just vanish in hours. Drunks of decades don't just set down a bottle they've been addicted to for a lifetime while working free in a bar. Babies don't just stop moving for a month and then suddenly come back to life or come back to movement after a prayer. That does not just happen. I've come by here to tell somebody today that God is with us here too. God has been moving with us this entire time. This church has been involved in planting seven churches already, in keeping two others open in three and a half years. Don't you tell me it's impossible. Don't you tell me we're too small for God to use because he's already done it. And he's working here too. Can I tell you guys that in November of last year, the average attendance at this church was between 26 and 27. Six months later in April, the average attendance was 43. And right now, if any given Sunday, and I know we got a lot of people out today, but any given Sunday right now, it is very likely we could have 60 or more. There's been many weeks where I'm just like, if we just had our regulars here, we'd be over 60. We'd have to get more chairs. That's, that's where we are now. We have seen growth, but it's not just the numbers growth. We've seen salvations happening. Do you know in April, we saw six people saved, gave their heart to God, so, some of them might be here right now. We saw people rededicate. Last week, we did baptisms. Five people baptized. 
God is with us too. Next week, I'm going to be asking you to seek God like never before. I'm asking you to stretch your faith like never before. I'm asking you to realize that God has been with us this entire time, that what I am telling you is not just some dream. It's not just some fantasy. God has called us to something so big, and he has confirmed it again and again and again and again. You do not get to a place where God is raising the dead in your church and not know that he is with you. What God has called us to is so big, we have to have him or we'll fail. We need him. And we need to be desperate. And I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to stretch your faith. I'm asking you to join me in this journey, to join with me. God has, yes, he's called us to something big, and that is going to require all of us to stretch. Me too. But it's happening. And I'm pursuing what it is that God called me to do. I'm asking you to join me. I'm asking you to stretch your faith. I'm asking you to look for ways that you can pull someone up behind you. But we have to start from a place of desperation because what God is calling us to, it only works with him. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would leave today inspired and encouraged it is so easy to just show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday without realizing the big picture of what it is that you have been doing. But there are seven new churches that exist right now because of this church. There are two more that are open today because of this church. More specifically, because of what you have done through this church. I pray today that you would widen our vision, that you would help us to understand that what you are calling us to is bigger than we are. And we are going to need you every step of the way. And I pray, God, that we would grasp that realization so much that we become desperate for you. And I pray that as we become desperate for you and as we become all consumed in pursuing you, that we would be filled with your power change the world through us. We dedicate ourselves to that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.